Excited to talk to you about your franchise story and your backdrop. Um, let's start there. Tell me what what is your personal franchise story? How do you even fall into franchising? Yeah, so I'm a CPA. Uh, my background is as a CPA. And way back, a client of mine bought a franchisor and talked me into leaving my CPA firm to come and work with them as uh, CFO and chief admin officers, part of his team on the franchise side. It was a large golf retail golf store franchisor, uh, 150 stores, 200 million in system wide revenues. And I was a key guy in the management team, not a number cruncher or anything. So uh, while I was there, I learned a ton about franchising and frankly uh fell in love with franchising with the model uh you know we'd run into people all the time uh, both in the golf industry and the franchise industry who may move from one company to another but stayed in franchising and or stayed in golf and uh you know it was easy to see how big franchising was and all the different opportunities in franchising plus uh you know i loved the idea of being able to uh, be part of a concept that helped the franchisees create wealth and uh you know, it was very exciting to me uh when i left the golf company and got back into the cpa world i started working with franchisors uh, as their independent auditor so we did audits for their financial statements that were required to be in the FDB. Then it was a UFOC. So that's how long ago mm -hmm. it was. Uh, you know, franchising's grown a ton and uh, I love it. And a friend of mine about five years ago gave me a call to talk about this idea he had for a, a, a new concept in a totally new industry. Uh, which was consumption lounges, cannabis consumption lounges. Uh, I went out to Vegas to meet with him to find out more, uh, liked his idea, saw a big need for it, and then started doing my own due diligence to figure out if it could be franchised because, uh, you know, cannabis is pretty unique. Uh, incredibly unique as something that's federally illegal in the U.S., and yet it's about a $30 billion industry in the U.S., with the states being able to do whatever they want with cannabis, and federally they let them do whatever they want uh, you know, as far as growing or selling or, you know, other micro-businesses. So, talked to some franchise attorneys and some insurance agents uh, about franchising, you know, a concept that's federally illegal right. and found out that it could be done. Uh, we could franchise it and found out that insurance was available because, you know, we need it on the franchisor side and franchisees need insurance. So uh, all the pieces fell in place. We put the concept together. We, put a really good team together uh, for our concept. It's still a startup industry. 
uh, with hardly any lounges uh, open anywhere in the U.S. None of them are the kind of model that we have, and we're working hard to get our first one open, uh, and then we expect the franchising side to take off. Uh, appreciate that that opening. I want to I want to turn obviously into the business because I think there's a lot to talk about, but I I do want to go back to some personal stuff as well. If we go to the business, you said we're trying to get the first one open, and obviously like you're you're navigating a, a different type of business model. It would be like like today the, the equivalent of uh, like good luck getting cigarettes back into restaurants. Like you're you're pioneering a whole new frontier. Um, but I mean, you can look at adjacent businesses, one alcohol or two, a hookah lounge. Like there's been other things that had to figure this thing out. If you had to say like, what is this hurdle to get unit one? Are you looking for a franchise partner or is it because of the legalities or the issues with, with the towns that you're looking in? Yeah. Great question. So, uh, our challenge has been, uh, you know, when we started our company, uh, our franchise company, we were really focused on getting the first one open in Vegas. Uh, my main partner, uh, Mark Cohn, uh, lives in Vegas. We're headquartered in Vegas. Uh, Nevada is a, a pretty big cannabis state, but the state itself ran into, into some issues after they approved consumption lounges with uh some lawsuits that were filed against them for discrimination plus uh some money had disappeared and the governor ended up putting a moratorium on lounges for a couple of years then and then COVID hit so you know with with all the indoor restaurants and dining facilities being shut down for a while and nobody being sure of when they'd be opening again and, and if once they opened, if people would be willing to go back uh, to places that were inside. So it gave us a lot of time to put our model together uh, and you know, get our FDD done and all that. But we didn't have enough money of our own to get the first lounge open. So our challenge has been finding some remaining capital that we need to get this first lounge open on our own because we're trying to do it without having any debt. Uh, all the while we got, you know, we got ready to franchise in case we found a person that had the, the vision to realize where cannabis was going and that lounges were needed. So we saw a big issue that we wanted to solve, which was where, you know, where can I smoke? Uh, many states where cannabis is legal have dispensaries everywhere and you could smoke in your house. Uh, and that was it under the rules. So what happened? Everybody smokes outside. They smoke in parks. They smoke in front of their hotel. They smoke in front of their office. They they do whatever they can uh, to smoke. So states have started realizing that that's a problem, that they don't want everybody smoking outside and that there's a need for consumption lounges. Uh, like you said, uh, you know, what we what we haven't done is reinvent the wheel. We didn't have to. We're very similar to bars, hookah lounges, you know, restaurants. Uh, one of the things we did with our team is we have a lot of franchising experience between myself and then our food and beverage partner, Crave Hot Dogs and Barbecue. 
uh, they've been involved with many franchise concepts and then they started their own concept three or four years ago. They've got about 30 restaurants open. They've trained franchisees. We have a lot of buying power already just by being affiliated with them for kitchen equipment, for the, the food. We have the menu. We've trained franchisees uh, of Crave or they've trained franchisees. So while we're a startup, uh, we've got a lot. We've got everything in place for a franchisee. It's just been difficult finding somebody willing to be the first uh, while we can make them you know, a very good deal. Uh, everybody wants to have the second one, not the first one. So uh, we've got to get our first one open. We And uh, that's what we've been working on. Uh, they're legal in many states right now, enough states for us to really get uh, a good head start. There are no other real franchisors of consumption lounges out there. Uh, we've registered in some of the registration states, so we're good in a lot, good to go in a lot of the big marijuana states and states that allow lounges. So, uh, like Michigan, uh, Illinois, New Jersey, California, Colorado, Washington State, New Mexico, uh, Nevada. Uh, so we're all ready and we've got the model and the experience together. And it's a model where we think somebody can create a lot of wealth, much more than other models that may cost the same amount to get in. Uh, our FDD initial investment range is approximately 600,000 to a million two. Uh, a lot of other franchise concepts fall into that price range. Uh, we believe our model will be a lot more profitable than any other model that's in that similar kind of price range. And uh, that's what we're really focused on, a model that's easy to replicate, a model where we can train everybody, a model that's legal wherever we're going to be opening them in a model where a franchisee can get all the support they need from corporate and make a lot of money on their own. And we it. really, you know, one of the, one of the first ones in, uh, there's a lot of people that or there are people that get excited about being able to be one of the first ones and really not just have owned their own business, but help launch an industry and, that's what we're doing. I want to give some comments, which will ultimately present you the opportunity to then give me give me some feedback on this. But I, I would imagine you as a human, you're you're so torn in this because as a CPA, you would advise someone to not buy it until that first unit's open so you can see the numbers. So you're like, I'm conflicted over here because of your background. You're entrepreneurial, so you know the the value of this. But when when I'm hearing you talk, it's like, yeah, you're, you're going to stay the course and hopefully you find the right business partner. And, and frankly, like the, the category is is rich, not only in people, but in, in the financial bandwidth behind people. So it's going to it's a matter of when, not not uh, not how. Right. Um, but like like ultimately, in, in my opinion, when you're talking, I think your intel is almost franchisable because if we go backwards to before restaurants, the, the day that restaurants let smoking in, or even today in the cigar clubs, I was at, I was at one in, uh, in New Jersey last week, 
that has cigar club in the front and a restaurant in the back. It's member only. And so like you're on the periphery of being able to do this, but you have years now of Intel. It's almost like, do you franchise that? And do you start going to some of these bars that are absolutely going to transition no matter what, when this becomes legal, it's going to be too, when we start, when we talk about restaurant franchising on what percentage of sales is alcohol, the same is going to be true for cannabis. Like it's going to happen. Like, do you franchise your Intel instead? No, you know what? We think we put uh, an awesome model together uh, with all the different pieces of the puddle, puzzle to franchise. And right now on the cannabis side, uh, we're bring your own cannabis. So the growing of cannabis, the dispensing of cannabis, uh, that's not something that we're going to be doing with our model until it's federally legal. A variety of reasons for that. One uh, is we want to stick to the things we're good at, which is the hospitality side. We're really, you know, a hospitality facility for cannabis users. Uh, The other thing uh, is there's negative tax rules right now that affect people in the cannabis business since it is federally legal where basically they can't deduct any of their expenses uh, other than cost of sales. So cost of the product, uh, the marijuana. Uh, We didn't want to have to deal with that. We wanted to be able to have bank accounts and take credit cards and do all the things normal businesses can do. So with, with our bring your own model, you know, and what that did was take away a potential revenue stream, uh, the sales of cannabis, but, We've got memberships or entry fees. We have food and beverage. We have VIP rooms. We have entertainment, uh, both live entertainment. We can do karaoke. We'll have pool tables. We'll have a retail area of accessories so we can sell pipes and bongs and CBD products uh, and things like that where it's allowed. On the alcohol side, most states right now that are allowing consumption lounges don't allow alcohol to be sold. So that, you know, we've got a model where someone can make a lot of money right now. And then there's additional revenue streams that will be available to us in the future on the cannabis side and on the alcohol side. So we're prepared for all that as soon as we can do it. Our franchise agreement requires a franchisee to sell alcohol and beer and wine if it's allowed. But in most places right now, they're not allowing that. So uh, none of those revenue streams are built into the projections we put together for ourselves. You know, since we don't have any units open, we don't have any financial numbers in the FDD. And so there's not the item 19's blank because we don't have anything to go on. Nobody has anything to go on. Uh, The lounges right now that are open in the U.S. are primarily little smoking rooms inside of a dispensary. Uh, Some bigger lounges are going to be starting to open in Las Vegas. One just opened a few weeks ago. So people now will be able to get a chance to see what a lounge really can be. And like you started this off talking about, you know, the bars and alcohol, Uh, we compare it to that all the time to the alcohol industry. You can drink at home, but there's more than 60,000 bars in the U.S. And cannabis uh, is very similar to alcohol. It's a big social experience. People like to go out uh, with their friends, which they haven't been able to do yet. 
legally on the cannabis side. So that's that uh, everybody thinks lounges are the next big thing in cannabis. Uh, there's going to be some opening that are, you know, they open one lounge and that's it. Uh, we've set ourselves up to have a national brand where members, you know, can, can travel around as they travel on business and seek out the Bud's place in that area because they're a member, they've had a great experience in one of our lounges and you know, want to go into the one when they're in Vegas or in LA or San Francisco, but we've got to, you know, get that brand built up. And that's, that's what we're focused on right now. So, so in golf, I mean, you, you probably dream of hole in ones, but you don't go to the par three and say, I'm going to get a hole in one. Right. But what I, and I, I would imagine there's, there's a purpose for you having these discussions. Like the, you're, you're clearly a visionary in the category and, and there's a million, like even, even take concerts, for instance, people, people are per, indoors or outdoors are perfectly fine getting high. They're in a concert and nobody does anything about it. Like we, we all know this is here. So were you conflicted about saying I have the hole in one before you, you got it? Like, did you debate about even talking about franchise until it was up? No, because uh, we love the model. We love franchising. We think, uh, you know, we put a really good model together. We're extremely confident in it. Uh, this first lounge that we're trying to get open, uh, I'm putting my own money into it, uh, along with, a, with some friends. Uh, my wife didn't want she and I to fund the whole thing. She wanted us to have some partners. Uh, you know, she's a lawyer, but probably more conservative than I am as a CPA. So, uh, you know, we'll see, we'll see what we can do, uh, with getting that one open because we really want to do it without debt. Some of my partners have started talking to me about, you know, why don't we, why don't we get a loan? We need about 600,000 more. We, we'd like about 600,000 more, uh, for the million two that it's going to cost to open. But, uh, we've got to get that first one open we've got a location picked out that would be a great location it's actually five minutes or ten minutes from a big outdoor concert venue as you're just talking about concerts uh you know pine knob in clarkston michigan and uh, in fact they had a snoop dogg concert last week and all the online pictures from the concert show people smoking because he's a big cannabis advocate and, uh, you know, you, you see smoke everywhere at the concert, uh, you know, law enforcement ignoring it. Cannabis is legal in Michigan. Uh, it wouldn't be legal to smoke at that concert, but nobody cares. And a lot of the stigmas relating to cannabis are going away. Uh, a lot more people are out in the open about their cannabis use. Uh, you know, and at some point it'll be federally legal and then it'll be open in, in many more states. But, uh, you know, we don't have the credit card issues or the banking issues or the payroll issues. So we're ready to go on that as it is. And our model will be very profitable even without selling cannabis or having alcohol sales. But we'll be ready for all those in the future once they're available. One of the things with, uh, you know, with restaurants, uh, and bars converting into a, a lounge is the biggest cost for one of our lounges is the ventilation system. Mm -hmm. So 
most likely a restaurant that wants to convert into a consumption lounge is going to have a big investment to make in the ventilation system. So for us, you know, while they can join us and convert the restaurant, it's also a barrier to entry as we look at it because the restaurants you know, may not want to add the ventilation system. Uh, if they have a bar, if it's a restaurant and bar, the way the rules are right now, they may not want to get rid of their liquor license or stop selling alcohol to have cannabis able to be consumed. Uh, you know, so for us, it's all good because we've built all those costs into, into our model and, and are confident and it's going to be extremely profitable. No matter, you know, even spending a million dollars to get it open, that'll, that won't be a big deal. I've got a friend that opened a pet care services business and it cost him over a million dollars to get it open uh he's finally hitting profitable numbers this year which is his third year in business and uh in a good year he might make 150 to 200,000 mm-hmm. you know but he invested a million dollars to get his store open and for us if you put a million dollars into your into getting the buds place open uh, you're going to make a lot more money than what most other franchisees can make in systems that cost a similar amount to get open. So I'm I'm not I'm, a disclaimer is I'm not your consultant, but correct. Two two things that I I just thought of while you were while you were speaking, and I think there's there value in sharing this. I obviously the hope is you get this first deal done. You have the right partner. You're putting a little bit of capital in, which is going to ca- help capitalize the franchisor side anyway, because you'll be able to pull capital off of your investment, even if it's a, it's a right. joint venture with a franchisee, but even take, take the concert venues. I mean, if, if I hit a snag, if I'm, if I'm looking at this and saying, we're still hitting snags, I almost build the mobile unit first, like go do what the food trucks did, because you can still build such a wide experience around the mobile unit. And maybe that opens it up. And then on the ventilation, you know, obviously cigar bars have already done it, but I think of like old spaces that were Korean barbecue, you might be able to find some shortcuts on the ventilation systems too. And frankly, a target franchisee that if you have high ventilation because of the products that you already have in your unit or hibachi. Um, then maybe there's, there's some offsetting that you can do. And from a conversion standpoint, the investment makes sense, especially if you're struggling in, in a category uh, that is uber competitive. And, and we all know this, that the margins in food are already so tight already that on um, some of the conversion opportunities, you know, right. that, that's awesome. so I, I think mobile as. Yeah. It's just you know, uh, the mobile. I mean, we thought about it, but first, it's very difficult to make money uh, on a little bus that's being driven around with people smoking. Uh, the other thing is the the rules for that, the rules and regulations regarding to smoking inside of a, a moving vehicle uh, are much more difficult and stringent than the lounge rules are. Some In some states, like in Nevada, uh, the HVAC, the ventilation rules... I mean, the ventilation requirements are right in the rules in Nevada. Uh, We also think while we've had that kind of ventilation system in our model right from the beginning, with COVID, it became even more important. So it's not just uh, clean air because we want to have clean air in in there. It's uh, you need clean air 
you yeah. need to be able to, you know, if you're going to have employees that are working there from four to eight hours a day in an environment where people are smoking cannabis and where THC's in the air. So you want to remove it uh, both for the employees and the customers. Uh, and that that's extremely important uh, to where the most the ventilation systems restaurants have would be inadequate Got to it. do that. Uh, you know, we priced out our initial ventilation systems from companies that have done the high-end cigar bar ventilations. And, uh, you know, we're basically, it replaces the air in the building every 15 minutes. Uh, the rules in Nevada for lounges initially were the air in the building had to re be replaced every two minutes. So 30 times an hour, they just right. relaxed it to 20 times an hour. So every three minutes, you know, in the smoking areas. But uh, it's hard to get around it. We don't want to get around it. We want to have clean air. Uh, down the road, there may be the ability to have mobile units that are at events to promote the company. You know, if a franchisee wanted to do that. Uh, or, you know, we may, have, we may need buses and things like that at some of our venues because yeah. it could be the green room for the entertainers. You know, so if we're near a concert venue or if we're doing comedy shows, uh, you need a green room for entertainment. And uh, we've got all that built into the model and the cost is what it is. Uh, there will be some that come in, you know, at less, just like in the bar business. There's 60,000 bars in the U.S. and they're all different shapes and sizes from little dive bars to Dave and Buster's bars. Right. That's where cannabis uh, and lounges will be also all different kinds. We're very comfortable with what we've got right now, but it doesn't mean that down the road we won't have different models that we add. Yeah, I love it. I mean, and to be clear on the mobile, uh, I, I was in Chicago last week. I'm running on the beach. Uh, I think I got secondhand high while I was running because of how much weed is being smoked on the beach. But they'll still have like temporary seasonal food trucks that basically park banners come out and it turns into a lounge. Right. So again, like the the cool thing is you have all the information. I, I love I love talking about this uh, on the employee side. You know, maybe don't do the vents. Maybe turnover rate would change if they're all high all the time. Maybe that's the that's the trigger that keeps employee there. Long. Yeah, it's, it's just in the rules. You know, I think you you've heard me say the word rules yeah, five or rules. six times. So. One of the things with cannabis and with consumption lounges is uh, as the states develop their rules, there's little differences everywhere in what you can do and what you can't do. And we're very focused on following the rules okay. because lounges, uh, as they start getting open throughout the U.S., they're going to be looked at very closely. Uh, there hasn't been a lot of part of the part of what's been holding cannabis back is because it's federally illegal. There hasn't been many there haven't been many studies funded uh and a lot of things you know insurance law enforcement they run on data and there just isn't a lot of data right now on how cannabis affects somebody and that uh you know people have different tolerances and they're they're normally less aggressive on cannabis than they are when they're when they've been drinking so right. all that's all that info will come out. It's just coming out. So it's, uh, 
you know, while it's extremely exciting to be one of the first ones in and a pioneer in a new industry, it's challenging too. And we're very excited about it. Uh, it's hard, you know, it's tough to wait it out. Uh, we keep grinding along knowing that, uh, you know, when we're able to get that first one open, whether it's on our own or whether it's a franchisee, that things are going to take off and that, that uh, you know, we've got a good model. We're in the right position. We've just got to get one open, but it's still basically where nobody has any open. Well, look, I, I, I look forward to seeing where this journey goes. Um, I do appreciate you sharing your story with us. Um, and it'll be interesting to watch this back uh, beyond this because, you know, laws change. And I think there's still a lot of uncharted territory, but Ron, you're clearly an expert in the category. And if someone's thinking about this, uh, clearly you, you turn into a resource. So thanks for sharing your story with us. We really appreciate it and look forward to seeing where your journey goes. Thanks, Nick. So I can be reached. You know, we've got a website, which you were scrolling through earlier, buds-place.com. Uh, I can be reached at ronss at buds-place.com. No apostrophe in buds, B-U-D-S. Uh, my cell is 248-302-3344. We have single unit and multi-unit franchise agreements ready to go uh, in many states. And then we've also got an option agreement available if it's not legal in a state yet, but somebody is confident that it will be legal in their state soon where they can lock a territory up. Uh, we think it's going to be really big, not just for us, but the whole industry and uh we look forward to appearing with you in the future to talk about how it's going and how the ones that are open are doing and all that good stuff. I love it. Keep being a pioneer. Look forward to hearing where the story goes. Thanks, Nick. Thanks, Rob. <laughs>